Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you, God, we love you. Lord, we ask as we enter into this time uh, right now, um, as we open your word, God, that we hear from you. Uh, Lord, that we don't just uh, uh, check out, we don't hear things we don't want to hear, we uh, don't want to listen to, but God, what we hear and we examine our lives. Uh, Lord, we do want to grow um, in our relationship with you. Uh, God, we do want to do what it is that you want us to do. Uh, at least that's my prayer, is that we have that change of heart uh, where we're willing to do whatever it takes uh, to follow you. Uh, Lord Jesus, be with us. Holy Spirit, come among us. Walk among us, uh, Lord, today. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right. Um, as uh, I was... This morning, we were in uh, Sunday school talking and everything. I told the guys what the, the, the message... Uh, the title of my message today, which I, I haven't had a title, quote-unquote, a title for quite some time because we've just been doing this Luke series. But if you, uh, want to take, if you are taking notes uh, and you want to write, to write a title down, the title of today's message is When Things Don't Go Your Way. Um, and, and it was funny because I, I, I shared a little bit with the guys in uh, Sunday school. And then um, as I was uh, um, coming up the hallway, my phone dinged and I got today's verse of the day from version. Uh, and those of you who have it already know this, but um, today's verse of the day from version is Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I thought it was just kind of interesting when, uh, when I, uh, you know, how, how God works. Because th- this verse, I, I think a lot of times what people, they see this and they say, you know, all things work together for good um, as long as it, it, it's, uh, it, it, it aligns up with what I want. But that's not what it says. It says all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And that's where I really want to focus today because we're going to look at the same story which we looked at last week, Luke chapter 5, and kind of take a little bit different perspective of it because last week we talked about how Jesus sat down and he talked to the crowd and how he wants to have that intimate relationship. He wants to have that intimate commune time. Um, and we looked at the, the crowd being um, the, the, the focus uh, of it. Well, what we're going to do today is we're going to take and shift just a little bit and look at like the, 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 uh, the, the disciples that are there, the, the, uh, uh, mainly Peter. We're going to look at him, but look at, at, at Jesus' interaction um, with them. And uh, if you don't hear anything else, and I want maybe this... If you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. Also, I want you to use this as kind of a filter for the next 30 minutes or so um, as we go through this. Um, the, the big idea or the certainty in which we, we have uh, with this text that I, that I believe that uh, Dr. Luke is communicating here is um, God's plans are bigger than you. Just, just hear me for a second. God's plans are bigger than you, but they involve you. So, so hear that, and let that, that, that kind of sink in, because too often we, we think that, well, it's all about me, God's plan's all about me. Well, no, God's plan involves you, but God's plans are bigger than you. God's plans are bigger than me. And we're going to bring that into perspective today, because that, I believe that that gives us a, a, a lot more freedom to do what it is that God wants us to do, and takes a little bit of the weight off of our shoulders. So with that, let's, uh, let's roll. I'll I'll read this again. It said, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, 
to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a, a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Okay, this is where we, we really focused on last week. This is where our, 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 the, the main crux of the sermon was, that Jesus sat down in the boat and he taught. And it says in verse 4, And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had, gone, or when he had, they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So in, in this text, I, I, I see that there's a, um, the, the, this, this theme that, that, that where we get today's uh, title from. When things don't go your way. Um, you don't have to, to raise your hands. If you want to, you can, whatever. Uh, how about, let's do this. Everybody raises their hand to answer this question. Um, who in here has had everything in their life go their way? Nobody? Well, wait a minute. So, so, all right, so we're all on the same, we're all on the same playing field then. There are things that have happened in your life that don't, that haven't or hasn't gone your way. Now, I, I want to expound a little bit too that it's not just things that, that don't go your way. How about the things that don't go the way in which you think that they should go? So we're going to, you know, group those, those two things together. And, and, and I think that if we start there, that we're not thinking about the person sitting beside us, across from us, in the back, in the front, wherever it is. Maybe those are not here, whatever. Let's think about us for a second. When things don't go your way, the question is, what do you do? What is your response? What is your reaction? Because here's the deal. You're going to encounter a time in your life, a situation in your life, that things aren't going to go the way in which you think they should, or they're not going to go your way. And you have no control over the situation, possibly, of why it didn't go your way. But the fact of the matter is, or the truth of it, is it just didn't go your way. Well, if we look here at the story, it says that um, when, when Jesus tells Peter to put out into the deep, his response was, but we just did this all night long. It says, we toiled all night and took nothing. Now, Jesus, you're telling me what, what, what you want me to do is what I already did. And we had no success doing it. Because I'll tell you this, um, we, we made sure um, that, that, that the equipment that we had in our boat, um, the timing in which we went, the, 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 the location in which we went was all correct but we still, we didn't get anything. And you're wanting me now to go do this again. Things didn't go my way the first time. Why in the world now with everything not supposed to be how it is going to go my way here? 
Because here, here's the thing, and, and I, I don't know if you guys caught this when you read this um, in your, uh, your quiet time this week, because I know everybody uh, read and had quiet time this week, right? Um, thank you, Elijah. Elijah caught the, the subtlety of that. Um, but when Jesus tells uh, Peter, he says, put out where? He says, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Let's do. I'm not. I'm not a fisherman. Not, I'm not even going to act like I am. Uh, I'm a reader, so I read commentary, and so I know. I know what this means. Okay. So, but when when a fisherman goes out, especially on the the the, the Sea of Galilee, um, they went out at nighttime to fish. That was when they went out to fish. That was the best time for fishing. And when they went out to fish, they did not go out into the deep parts to fish. They stayed in the shallows just off of shore, of shore because that's where the, the, the fish came up to feed. And when the fish would come up to feed, they'd scoop them up. They didn't have the, you know, the line and the bobber and everybody yanking them out of the, the, the water. They had the nets they'd throw and they'd, they'd, get, they'd catch a fish that way. So when Jesus is telling them now, all right, it's, it's the middle of the day, so it's not at night. Um, we're going to go out into the deep, so it's not, not, not the, the, the right location here. He said, we're going to go out there, and we're going to do exactly what you did uh, the, the night before, the same technique and everything. This is what I want you to do. Of course, Peter, the fisherman who's looking at Jesus, the carpenter, is probably thinking, do you know anything at all about fishing? I mean, if we're, if, we're going to th- if we're going to be honest about that, that, that thought we know uh, or we'll learn about Peter. Peter had some, um, some um, filter issues. We'll, we'll just say that. He would say things and think things that, that really would align up with a lot of the things that we, we say and think here uh, or today. But he's thinking, like, I, I'm the fisherman. I'm the guy who my whole life, this is how I make my livelihood. This is my profession and you, Mr. Carpenter guy, are telling me how to do my job. No one in here has ever experienced anybody trying to tell them how to do their job that wasn't in their trade, right? <laughs> Never. Me neither. No one's ever told me how to do my job. <laughs> my wife chuckles, right? Everybody tells me how to do my job. That's fine. But here, so, so, but think about this on the, 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 the mindset in which, in which Peter was having here. He's like, come on, I know what to do. And you're telling me everything that, that, that you've told me is like antithetical to the way in which things should be. But look at the response that Peter has. Even though he was a little bit reluctant at first, it says, but at your word, I will let down the nets. Turn with me to, back to the Old Testament to, uh, and I apologize, uh, Mike, I, this is kind of an impromptu thing here, uh, to the book of Jonah. Because as I'm, I'm thinking about this, um, the story of Jonah kind of comes to mind. Although that Jonah wasn't a fisherman, he was the bait. Um, that was funny, at least I thought. He's a a man-sized lure. Jonah had a response to what it is that the Lord told him to do as well. 
And, and just real quick, let, let's just, I, I want us to kind of get in the, the, our, our minds working here to um, what do I do when things don't go my way? Um, and, and, and maybe what we'll do here is we'll, we'll, we'll kind of not pose um, Jonah against Peter, but kind of see the, 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 some different responses here. Because in, in Jonah uh, chapter 1, um, I don't know what the best way to do this other than just read it. Uh, Jonah chapter 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of, of Amittai, uh, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before them. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea. So that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners uh, were afraid and cried out to his God, each to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner parts of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? I love that. What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Okay, so real quick, we've probably all heard here, even if you didn't grow up in church, you've heard of Jonah. But what we, what we need to really focus on here is what, why Jonah did what he did. God told him to do something, and his response was, I ain't going to do it. Uh, who, who in here knows Jerry Clower besides my dad? Uh, or, and my sister, imagine that. So, uh, old Baptist comedian from like 1910. Anyways, um, so, Sorry, that was offbeat. So God says to, to Jonah, this is what I want you to do. And he's not going to do it. I don't care what, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And he runs from God. Well, I, I love this story because it shows the, the, the intensity in which he ran from God. He, he not only just walked the other way from him, he fled. It said he fled to, or he would flee to, uh, to, to uh, Tarshish. And, and when he went to Tarshish, he got on the ship, and he not only got on the ship, he went down inside the ship and went to sleep. So he not only said, peace out, God, I'm not going to do what you're going to do. I'm going to do exactly what I want to do, and I'm just going to take a nap along with it. And God said, no, it's not going to work that way. I, I, I've told you to do something. Let's go I'm going to pick up on the story here. In, in verse 7, it says, And they said to one another, so the, 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 the guys on the ship said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, so they threw dice, basically. Um, and and they, the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? And what is your, what is your country? And what people are, are you? Well, and he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, Yahweh, because he had told them, then he said to them, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know that it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed harder 
Actually, that, that word is that they dug in with their oars. They rowed harder to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous. I think that's how you say that word, against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw his butt into the sea, and the sea ceased from raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish and swallowed up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. All right. So, God says, and then Jonah says, no, peace out, no, I'm not going to do it. So then it comes upon, and I love this picture here, because um, things weren't going the way in which Jonah thought that they should go here. He thought he was just going to be able to run from the Lord and things were going to be okay. But what what is taking place here is even more important. I, I believe that as I, as I'm reading through this, what, what is revealed here to me is when um, w- when things don't go our way and we run from the Lord, it affects a lot of people. So the the people which Jonah was was he had nothing personally against these people, but the disobedience from uh, from Jonah put the the lives of these sailors, these mariners, at risk. And I see this as, you know, this, is, this should be a message to us, the church. When we don't heed the Lord's direction and the Lord's command, it's not, you're not just hurting yourself. You're hurting everyone around you. And I know that I don't think that there's an ill bone in most of your bodies here. You don't want to hurt people around you. It doesn't matter if you want to or not. The outcome is... If we don't do what God says for us to do, then it's going to be a byproduct of that. It says here that they find that, you know, they threw him overboard and the seas calmed down. Well, it goes back to, uh, let's, let's kind of go back into this mindset. Well, um, things aren't going the way in which uh, that Jonah thought that they would go, so um, uh, he had to, to improvise well, I, things aren't going the way in which I, well, then I'm just going to, I'll be the martyr and I'll sacrifice myself. Well, here's the deal. If, if you would have done the, 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 the um, or, or listened to and obeyed the commands of the Lord first, you wouldn't never be in that position. It goes on to say here uh, in, um, in chapter three, it said, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. He says, arise and go to Nineveh that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So, okay, so we're not going to continue. I won't continue to read this, but I'll tell you that what happens. Jonah goes. He listens to what the Lord tells him to do. He goes to the city, and it says that they repent, and they, uh, they, they, they put on sackcloth and ashes. It's, it's a showing of repentance. It's a visible showing of repentance. When, um, they, when Jonah did what it is that God told him to do, God acted and moved in the way in which God said he was going to do. But we, what we find out about Jonah is he still wasn't happy with it. He still wasn't happy. At the end of the book of Jonah, and maybe this is good for you all to, to read this week. At the end of the book of Jonah, he, he, it leaves off him being angry. And, and, and the Lord saying to him, um, does it do you good to be angry? I, I, in my own paraphrase, I, I think it, it, it should say, um, dude, you need to get over yourself and uh, accept this. 
Because he's saying, does it do you any good to be angry? Just because things didn't go the way in which you thought that they should go. He thought, Jonah thought, well, this is a heathen nation. Why should these people enjoy in the grace and the riches and the glory and the majesty of, of a God that they don't even uh, serve? Why, why, why should they be able to enjoy that? I, I'm a Jew. He says, I'm a Hebrew. You know, I'm, 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 I'm God's chosen. I deserve it, but they don't deserve it. And he was bitter over it. Things didn't go the way in which they, that, that he thought they should. And at the end, he never had a change of heart. The only reason he did what he, he said he was going to do is because God inflicted such pain and suffering in his life that he did it and thought, okay, I just don't want to go through that again. Well, well I, I'll give this as a, as a warning sign to us all. Um, don't let uh, God uh, have to use that pain and suffering in your life to get your attention to do what he's telling you to do. We should be wanting and willing to do what it is he is telling us to do. Because God has so much, so much more in store for us. He has such bigger plans than, than, than what we could even think of. But, but what we do is we want to hold on to what we know. Because we're scared of the unknown, and, and we want to hold on to that. And if we, if we hold on to it, then we have control. Well, how much control did, did, did Jonah have in the belly of the fish? None at all. If you read chapter 2, it's a prayer, and he's just crying out to God, because he didn't have any control. Turn back to uh, Luke chapter 5. We'll pick back up with uh, um, Peter here. Because what we have is Peter, even though he was reluctant, even though he said, okay, this is the wrong place, the wrong time, uh, everything is wrong here, but um, at your word, I will let down the nets. Well, it says that once he let down the net, nets, that they enclosed a large number of fish. So the nets were breaking. I, I like this because this kind of goes along with this, this whole story of understanding that uh, these nets that, 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 were, that were breaking, they weren't breaking because they were brittle and they were unused. They, they, they were breaking because there was such a large number of fish. What we have here, just previous to this, is when Jesus first comes on scene here and he sees uh, the, the disciples, the future disciples here, um, they see him, or he sees them washing their nets. Other accounts say that, uh, G, that they were mending their nets. They were mending their nets, they were washing their nets, they were getting prepared for something. Did they know what they were getting prepared for at that point? They were thinking that they were going to go fishing that night. But they were, they were getting prepared for something greater than they could even imagine. God had a bigger plan for them. I, I, I like this, that thought process because as you think about it, um, when things don't go your way, what we have a tendency of, to do is uh, take the, 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 the uh, poor me attitude. We, we, we sit and sulk. Could, could the disciples then have, uh, well, they, they, or could they have sat around and said, man, that just stunk. We didn't catch a single fish last night. I quit. Right? They, they, they could have done that. They could have just, well, had a, 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 a night of, of um, well, it says that they toiled all night. That's not just sitting back, relaxing, you know, just kind of uh, kicking it while the, the, the line's in the water. They toiled. They worked at it all night long, so they were probably tired. They could have said, man, we just need some time to relax. Or, or, or do we, what, do we, what do we say? We just need some me time, right? <laughs> I just need some time by myself. 
okay, no, but what they did is they prepared for, for the, next, the next catch. Although they didn't, they didn't have any idea that the next catch would be the, the, one of the biggest catches of, of, their, of their life. So when things don't go our way, what, we, what do we do? Do we sit around and sulk? Or do we prepare for the next step? Not even knowing, and that, that's the beautiful part about it, because type A people like to prepare for something. Like, this is what I'm going to do, so I'm going to prepare for this. They didn't know what they were preparing for. They were just preparing. I, I think a lot of times what we need to do is we need to understand that God wants us to prepare. What's, what does he want us to prepare for? Obedience to him. So, so don't try to, to get into this mindset of, well, I just don't know what to prepare for, so I'm not going to be able to prepare. No, you do know what to prepare for because he calls us. He says, if you love me, you obey my commandments. We need to prepare ourselves for obedience because obedience just doesn't happen. I mean, if it did, that would be a fantastic parenting breakthrough if our kids just were automatically obedient, <laughs> right? But it doesn't happen. We've got to work towards that. When things don't go our way, do we, we take this, um, the approach of Jonah and we, do we run from God? Do we run from the presence of God? Or do we take the, the approach or the response of Peter, and although reluctant, because we're human, and, and, and thoughts are going to happen, although reluctant, we do what he says, we're going, that he says for us to do. That's a question which we have to ask. I mean, that's that understanding, like, remember that, that certainty I told you? Like, God's plan's bigger than you, but you're involved in it. So when, when, he, when we see that and we hear that, okay, well, these things aren't going the way in which I think they should go, but I got to remember God's plans are bigger than me. And it doesn't mean that I'm insignificant. No, that means I'm even more significant. God's plans are bigger than me. I'm involved in God's plans. How or at this moment, I don't know. Okay, what do I need to do? I need to wash the nets. I need to mend the nets. I need to prepare myself for whatever it, whatever it is that God has for me next. Because... Just like the disobedience of Jonah had great effect on the people that were around him, the obedience of Peter, of Peter had great effect around, of the people that were around him. Because it says, And when they had done this, they enclosed a, enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so they began to sink. It goes on to say, for, all, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. So what had happened was that, that when uh, Peter, reluctant but obe obedient, did what it is that God told him to do, the outcome was great. How, how many times have, has God told you to do something and you've taken the Jonah approach and not the Peter approach. And you've hurt a lot of people in your life and not blessed them. Again, I think I said this earlier, but again, what we have to understand is when we are obedient to God, God not only blesses us, he blesses those who are around us. Don't let that be like the, the motivating factor. No, let that be a motivating factor in it. Because the, the motivating factor is we want to glorify a holy, perfect, righteous God. 
And through that, what we do, you've heard me say it a billion times now, what we do is we position ourselves under the faucet. You know the proverbial faucet, the, 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 the blessings from God? Only God can turn it on. All what we have to do is we have to position ourselves underneath it. And I view it like this. Now, I mean, reading a story like this, I view it like, okay, I want to position myself underneath this faucet of God's blessings. I, I can't make him turn it on, but I'm going to position myself underneath it. And I'm going to pick up some buckets. And I'm going to stand here with some buckets. I want to be obedient. So when he pours those blessings down on me, and I got my buckets here. He's going to give me the blessing, and he's going to fill up these buckets. And what am I going to do with these buckets? I'm going to go share my blessing with others. That's that mentality. That's what we have to, I, I believe that's what, what, what the church is built upon. This teaching of Christ, it says that to go and make disciples, teaching them uh, to observe all things that I've commanded you. And he says, I want to bless you. This is not prosperity gospel by any stretch of the imagination. This is obedience gospel. When we are obedient, God, a loving, gracious Father, wants to bless us. And He wants to use you, He wants to use me in this bigger plan to go and bless others. That's what happened with Peter here. It says here that those who were with him were astonished. They all saw it. Something else I, I think is, is interesting, and I said last week that I'd give you the... Um, the reason why Jesus chose Peter's boat. Uh, what we know about Simon Peter, uh, also known as Cephas, what we know about him is he was the leader of the, uh, the 12 disciples. How do we know that he was a leader? Well, every time that the, the apostles or the disciples are named, his name is first. And, and understanding how um, the, the literary genre and everything, how all of that, the context and all that good, good geeky stuff works, um, we know that that is indicating him being the leader. And Jesus even says, focusing, looking at Peter, talking about the, the disciples, talking about um, what's going to happen, he says, I'm going to build my church upon you. Upon this rock, I will build my church. That doesn't mean that the Catholics take it a little bit far and they say, well, it's upon Peter. No, he's talking to Peter, but he's talking about the apostleship that has taken place. The foundation of, the God, of God's word. So, we understand that when, when, when Jesus says, Peter, you put out your boat. I'm going to get in. You put it out. He was clearly making a, a distinction of what it is that he wanted to do. What he set out to do, and, 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 I, and I, I believe this 100%, is when Jesus came to, um, talk, or when he came by the, the lake of Gennesaret, by the Sea of Galilee there, and he saw these people. Did he want to minister to these people? Did he want to speak into their lives? You better believe it. But I think he had a greater purpose in mind. A greater purpose that we're seeing the effects of now. He came in there and he wanted to change the heart of the leader. Some of you are sitting here, well, this doesn't apply to me. I'm not a leader. Just hold on a second. He wanted to change the heart of a leader. So he said to the leader, he said, okay, put your boat out. I'm going to get in your boat. I'm going to do a miraculous work through the presence of your boat. Where, where, where the, the job and the situation and everything that, that, that makes up who you are, Peter, I'm going to do something great there. And what happens to Peter? He goes out. He does what, what, what Jesus tells him to do. And it says that um, there is a, 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 a change of heart in Peter. 
And I say this because what we have is, if you look back in verse 5, Peter refers to Jesus as master. But this is not master as in like... This is not master as in like you're, you're the, 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 the one who controls my life. He was just paying a respect to uh, Jesus as a teacher. Look over in um, verse 8. Because we see a change of heart. It said, but when Simon Peter saw it, this huge catch of fish, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. At that time, Peter, even though Peter had a jacked up, you know, time after that a little bit, Peter identified Jesus as his Lord. He went from just being this rabbi who was a good teacher to being Lord. And the Greek here, it's indicating ownership. It's indicating that he has sovereignty over all. He went from being merely a a, a good teacher to being the the owner of Peter's life. And that's what Peter was saying. But it only happened through this change because it said, and I love this. Too many times we we overlook the, the small things. If we are going to have the Lord... Jesus as the Lord of our life, repentance has to take place. Has to take place. Not should. Has to take place. It says, depart from me. Peter says, depart from me. Not like get away from me because I don't know. He's like, I'm not worthy to be in your presence, O Lord. Why am I not worthy to be in your presence, O Lord? Because I'm a sinful man. At that time, what Peter was doing, he was identifying the depravity of himself and saying that, I, I have nothing. Jesus, I have nothing to offer you. I'm sinful. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay it all down in front of you, and I'm going to say, you are Lord of my life. Until we do that, we cannot call him Lord of our lives. And that is, that is one of those things that, that I think that we miss in our, um, in our uh, I'm going to say, our Christocentric uh, quasi-culture in which we have, that everybody says, well, I believe in Jesus. Okay, the, the, the demons do and they shudder. But everybody says this, but they don't repent. Time after time after time. When we get into the, the, the book of Acts, we're, we're really going to see this. But um, time after time, the Bible says that, that to, uh, to be saved, there has to be repentance. Repent and be baptized. Repentance must proceed, or precede, I should say. Repentance must precede regeneration. Well, what's that word? regeneration, to be born again, like John 3 says. If we want to claim Christ, be born again, repentance precedes regeneration. That's what we have a picture of here. Peter is saying, God, I had a change of heart. My heart has been transformed. And because my heart has been transformed, my actions are going to follow. We know here that the actions in which followed were that they left everything. I said that they left everything and followed him. Peace out, Lee. I ain't going to do that. 
Here's what we have to understand. I think too many times, this is where the poverty gospel comes into effect. People think, well, you can't have any. If you really love Jesus, you can't have anything. If you really love Jesus, you've got to get rid of your car and walk everywhere, because that's what Jesus did. He walked everywhere. Well, Jesus walked on water, and I can't do that. But <laughs> No, poverty gospel is not you have to give up everything, and you have to live in poverty if you really love Jesus. Uh, what we have is, is church history. That, that there was some, uh, that, that's where like the, 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 the monks and everything came from. The, the Benedictine monks, uh, they took this to the extreme. They gave up everything. They had a vow of poverty. Well, there's nothing in the Bible that talks about the vow, you know, what, that like we have to give everything away and live in poverty. No, what it says that we have to, when it, when it does say here that they left everything, what, what it is that, that, that Luke here is saying, what, what it is that is communicated to us, they left what, that, what identified them to be identified with someone else. They left their livelihood of being fishermen to be associated with or, or to be identified now as um, the, their livelihood being fishers of men. And, and understand this, this is the, the, the Greek word anthropoia, which means men and women. So the, the, be fishers of people. We're going to catch cats, but not little cats, big cats. You know, we're going to catch people. So they, they left what identified them occupationally and everything, where, where all everything was wrapped up in to be identified with something else. Now, this is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying everybody here has to leave your job to, to be identified with Christ. No, but what we need to do is we need to leave what we think is our identity outside of Christ and be identified, pick up our identity in Christ. That's what we need to leave behind. Everything that we think defines us, that's not what defines us in God's eyes. We have to leave that behind. And this is a difficult thing for people to do. Because our identity, well, that's who I am. Okay. Do you want to be who you want to be? Or do you want to be who God wants you to be? I, I don't know about you. I want to be the man that God wants me to be. I had that thrown up in my face a lot, especially with family and old friends and stuff like that. Well, you ain't the man you should be. You know what? I'm not. I'm not the man I should be, but I want to be the man that God wants me to be because I'm not the man I used to be. And because I'm not the man I used to be, here's the deal. God's working in me. I bet you we can make that into a rap too somehow. <laughs> but what we need to do is we need to be willing to say, as scary as it is, because it is scary. I'm not going to be identified by this. I want to be identified with Christ. And then let him work in you. Let him bless you. Let him do what it is. Let him be the, the, the mold that, that, that constructs you or, 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 or the, um, uh, um, uh, the, the potters, the, the potter who molds the clay into the vessel and he wants you to be. Don't, don't let people, don't let situations, don't let the world identify who you are or label you as this is who you are so you think that. No, let it be Christ. Let it be Christ. So what you see is you have um, this, this, uh, these moments where I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman. I'm, a sin I'm, just, I'm ridden with sin. I don't know what to do. But what I am going to do 
is I'm going to get down before you, and I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to let your grace, your mercy, wash over me. And I'm going to let you identify who I am. I'm going to let my identity be in you. As scary as this is, I, I don't know how this is all going to work out, but at the end of time, I want to stand in front of you and I want you to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. I don't want to be the one that the response is, depart from me for I didn't know you. In this response is where we see where we're at. How do you respond when things don't go your way? Everybody's a little bit different. But that response is an indicator of where you're at. Let's pray. One thing that I, that I have in my notes here that I, I guess I didn't, I didn't get to say is in all of this, allow God to realign you to his way. Don't try to realign God to your way. If things aren't going your way, don't try to make God like make your way better. Realign yourself with his way. To do that, we have to understand what his way is. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The perfect place to start. Our Father God in heaven, uh, God, we love you, we thank you. Lord, we ask as um, we've opened your word and we've talked about um, something that I don't think this talked about much, like what happens when things don't go my way? Uh, God, my, my prayer is that we, um, even if it's reluctant, like, uh, like Peter, that we, we listen to your word. We press in to see and to hear and be transformed and have this change of heart so that you not only, uh, that we not only have a, a commune with you, but God, you can do what you want to do and you want to bless us and those around us. God, let us be an obedient people. Let us uh, repent of our sins. Let us lay everything before you. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.